May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be pleasing unto you, O Lord. Amen. Please be seated. This year, across the diocese, uh, we have a theme. I don't know if you know this. I won't test you. What is the theme this year? I'm going to tell you the answer soon. The theme of this year is the year of the Old Testament. And we're putting a spotlight on the richness and beauty of God's revelation of himself through the Hebrew scriptures. And we're seeing how these scriptures are gloriously fulfilled in Christ. And uh, as bishops, the three bishops of the diocese, we've challenged ourselves and all preachers to give special attention to the Old Testament in the ministry of the word. And so with our gospel reading tonight, you might not be expecting a deep dive into the Old Testament, but that's what you're going to get. Uh, And uh, it's a wonderful passage, and right there in the very centre of this intriguing conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus uh, is a fantastic Old Testament reference that we're going to explore together. Now, Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He's a law-abiding pillar of the community, a member of the governing council. He's a key leader. And he comes to seek out Jesus at night to question him because he's absolutely perplexed by what he's seen Jesus doing and what he's heard Jesus teaching. And Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus uh, the answer to probably the most important question any human being could ever ask. How can a person enter the kingdom of God? How is it possible for any human being to live beyond death and enter God's heaven? And at the heart of Jesus' answer to Nicodemus, and in fact to anybody here tonight who's wondering the same thing, uh, Jesus really says, actually, you've got to understand who I am and you've got to understand what I've come to do. And there at the very centre of their conversation are these curious verses that we're going to delve into. John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Now, people say John 3, 16 is the most famous verse in all the Bible. For God so loved the world. You've probably got it tattooed on your forearm if you're a trendy vicar or something. But John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, just before that, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Here we have Jesus uh, taking us directly into the Hebrew Scriptures, and Nicodemus was a student of these Scriptures. He would have known this uh, reference very well indeed. And Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, you have had the answer to your questions of life You've had them in front of your face all your time. Uh, And to know how to have eternal life, what you need to do, Nicodemus, just have another look at what Moses was up to centuries ago, and then you'll be able to understand what I, Jesus, am all about. So we're going to mine into treasure in verse 14. Just as Moses lifted up the snake, Jesus says, so must I be lifted up. And if that happens, eternal life is open to everyone. So we've already gone back two centuries to Jesus and Nicodemus, and now we're going to go another 13 centuries and say, what was Moses doing lifting up a snake? The story 
is in Numbers 21, the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. And God's people at that point are living in the Sinai Desert. Uh, Have you been there? I've been to the Sinai Desert, slept at the top of Mount Sinai. Has anyone done that? You must do this. It's wonderful. Oh, you have. Good, good. You should go and do it. It's great. It's cold, but great. And there they are in the Sinai Desert. Moses is their leader, and things are not going well. Despite God saving his people from slavery, despite him endlessly protecting his people, despite amazing miracles where God provides for his people and keeps them safe and shows them incredible loving care, God's people are constantly sinning. They're always complaining. They don't trust God's protection at all. They rebel against God's leader, Moses. They're impatient, ungrateful. They show complete contempt for God. And eventually, God responds by bringing them to their senses. In chapter 21, it says, this is a difficult verse in the Bible. The Lord sent venomous snakes among the people. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. It's quite awful. Uh, If, like me, you hate snakes, this is uncomfortable reading. Now, the desert they were in, we know, was full of poisonous snakes. But up until now, we haven't read of anyone being hurt by these snakes. So God's hand of protection has been over the people. And now their sin gets to such a level that God responds. He says, I will lift my hand of protection. I will allow you a glimpse of what life is like out here without my care. And in come the snakes, and obviously snakes in the Bible, they represent sin and wrongdoing, and the snakes illustrate how sin results in death. And so we reach this turning point, and the people come to their senses, as you probably would if you were being bitten by snakes and dying. And they come in humility to Moses and say, Moses, we have sinned, we are sorry, please ask God to take the snakes away. Then it gets really interesting. God does not take the snakes away. Instead, he provides a way for the people to be cured from the poisonous snake bite. The snakes still bite, and the bite is still deadly. But God says to Moses, make a snake and put it on a pole and stick it up high. And anyone who's bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. And then when anyone was bitten, they looked up at the bronze snake on the pole. That person lived. God provided a cure. And that is how anyone could be saved from death. Very strange story, isn't it? Thirteen centuries later, on a dark night in Jerusalem, Nicodemus is talking to Jesus about possibly the most important question anyone could ever wonder. How is it possible for a person to have eternal life? Or to phrase it another way, what is anyone's hope of a cure for sin? And Jesus said, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man, Jesus, must be lifted up. Anyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And sure enough, Jesus was lifted up. He was nailed to a cross when he died. And Jesus was saying that he is like the snake on the pole that Moses held up. Everyone who believes in him, everyone who looks to him hanging on the cross 
They can be cured. They can be healed of the poison of sin that is so deadly. It's quite an astonishing claim Jesus is making. Uh, Has anyone here ever been bitten by a poisonous snake? I have been chased by a rattlesnake, but it didn't get me. A scorpion got me instead, but the rattlesnake didn't. That's a story from another time. No one has ever been bitten, no one even in the choir. The organist is not, no. There are two vital questions if you've been bitten by a deadly snake. Number one, is there a cure? And number two, how do I get hold of it? Larry Reed faced these questions uh, a few years ago in America. He lived in Indiana and had a pet diamondback rattlesnake. And it bit his thumb when he was changing its water. Now, firstly, I think Larry Reed is a very stupid person for owning this snake in the first place. But anyway, he was bitten. The venom is deadly. Question number one, is there a cure? Yes, there is. There is an antidote to the poison. Without the antidote, he's got just a couple of hours to live. Question number two, how do we access the cure? What have we got to do? Larry's wife calls the vet. The vet doesn't have any antidote. So she drives to the medical clinic. They don't have any either. So his friend Steve drives him to hospital. The hospital don't have any. The clock is ticking. They drive to the zoo. The zoo doesn't have any. They ring a hospital in Indianapolis that has seven doses of antidote. Larry needs 20. Time is running out. There are high winds that day. All the airports are closed, so they can't fly the antidote to Larry. He was put in an ambulance, and hospitals from all over the state had ambulances driving at 100 miles an hour to get the antidote. 30 minutes before certain death, 20 doses arrive, and Larry survives. (laughs) It is great that there is a cure, But how accessible is the cure? What lengths do you have to go to to be saved? If you're an Israelite out there in the wilderness in Numbers 21 and you've been bitten by a snake, what do you have to do to be saved from death? You've got to look up. You've got to look up. You've got to find in yourself the humility to accept that God has provided a way out of the mess you have got yourself into. You have to look at the snake lifted up. It's the look of faith that trusts that God has provided a cure. The look of faith heals you. Can you get saved by being friends with the man who made the bronze snake? No. Would you get cured if you spent your time trying to fight the snakes? Would you get cured if you put a brave face on it and told yourself you haven't been bitten or the bite isn't really that bad? (laughs) No. Would you get cured if you go to Snakesville University and get a first-class degree in snake studies? (laughs) No. You haven't got to be clever, you haven't got to be strong, and you haven't got to be good. All you need is the grace of God, is trusting 
in his provision. It's gloriously simple. You get saved from death by trusting that God has provided the cure and all you have to do is respond in humility and dependent faith. Look to the cross of Jesus with the look of faith. You haven't got to be clever, you haven't got to be strong, and you haven't got to be good. In looking up, you're recognizing there is a solution beyond your own circumstances and putting your trust into the hands of God that he has provided for your salvation. If you're here this evening and you're not a Christian, we are so thrilled that you're here. Thank you for coming. And it might be that you're interested in a conversation along the lines of Nicodemus. What is it you have to do uh, to be saved? What is it you have to do to enter the kingdom of God? How can you know eternal life? Um, If the Bible is right, then these are questions of life and death. So it is really working, worth time to work through your questions with someone you trust. And you're probably sitting next to or very near a Christian who can help you. Uh, If not... Tom is your new vicar, and, uh, or going to be, and he will help you. I will speak to you afterwards. Um, and this is a church that runs the Alpha Course, which is a brilliant place to come with your questions. Tom, as you lead this parish forward, you could lead out of your own energy, your considerable intellect and skills and talents. Don't do that. Rely wholly on the grace of God for you on what he has provided, lead out of that. Look daily to the cross, first and foremost for yourself, to know the merciful goodness of the Lord over you. Congregation, as you start this new chapter, you could rely on your history, on your size, on your resources. Don't do that. Rely wholly on God's grace for you and over you. Look daily to the cross of Jesus. Rely on him to save you, to speak to you, to lead you and guide you. For everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Amen.